On Gaming the Podcast this week, we are celebrating the 25th anniversary of the original Resident Evil, which was released in Japan on the 22nd of March 1996. My name is John Robertson, and I will be joined shortly by Stace Harmon to talk about how well Resident Evil has stood the test of time, and why, quite simply, it is so iconic and influential. There will be spoilers, but I think that's allowed given that you've had 25 years to uncover the truth about what really happened at the game's Spencer Mansion. Also, for your information, we have two other recent episodes that focus on Resident Evil, one that's all about the concept of safe rooms and another on the mansion location itself, so do check those out along with this episode. And as ever, make sure to follow us on Twitter. We are at IndieByDesign, that is at IndieByDesign on Twitter and all other social media platforms. And do also take a moment to leave us a nice review on iTunes if you like the show and you want it to reach more people. Otherwise, that's it for the preamble, so let's get started on Resident Evil. We've both been replaying the original Resident Evil recently, uh, the remake specifically, um, and something that I've been enjoying, enjoying more this time around than I did previously is the puzzles. And I don't necessarily mean how incredibly devious and clever they are, uh, but just the number of them and how intrinsic they are to the feel of the game. There's a real, like exploration element and tackling different puzzles at different times um and the way that it weaves in puzzles that are mandatory and that you have to do to progress with puzzles that are kind of side quests effectively that net you a new weapon or perhaps they net you just you know some a bunch of green herbs and and things like that and i think that's that's a thing that i perhaps overlooked or didn't remember very specifically from my original playthrough of 25 years ago um that i've been that i've been enjoying a lot more and i think i mean i would go so far to say that the uh the puzzling is is well one of my favorite parts i think and i think it adds a lot of identity to get to the game that i hadn't previously given it credit for yeah i mean i i do i like the puzzles or not i don't know um I find, <laughs> on I find, an individual level I they're find, a bit ropey sure <laughs> yeah um i think for me i wouldn't say that i like the puzzles in and of themselves but i do think that they're a they're a good slash kind of interesting enough way to trigger you to tempt you to when you're moving around the mansion and you're finding new things and unlocking new things then the puzzles in that way do a good job of making you feel rewarded for um for that sort of crisscrossing around the map and that sort of sense of constant exploration and that sense of experimentation i think the puzzles do a good job of yeah kind of framing and rewarding that I, I don't know i don't i wouldn't i don't think i'd go so far as to say that they're they're an element that sort of in and of themselves um makes the game better for me but i do think that they do play a key role in the fabric of the game's wider existence and wider wider design i do think i do think that they serve a good purpose um, it's, it's how much they make me think about getting from one place to another. It's how much they make me look at my inventory and think, oh, okay, what have I picked up since I was last in this area of, in the first instance, the mansion, but later other areas. And it's that, like that 
that momentary pause, visualize where I'm going to go, what's along the way, look at the map, remember what those individual little rooms are, particularly the ones that are still flashing. I'm sure, sure if they're flashing, but they're red to indicate that not Solid everything has red. been done. Yeah. Solid red. They're red to indicate that not everything has been done and they turn green when they, when you have. And that there is a, there's a blue, thing, I there's like they a, turn, don't they? They turn what? They turn blue, don't they? Isn't it a thing agreement. in Resident Evil? Isn't, well, we'll, we'll compromise on turquoise, but they're blue. But the, I think, isn't there a thing in Resident Evil? I don't know if, with other people that I know that play Resident Evil, they always say like full blue and they're like, yeah, we're aiming for full blue. So like you never go past an area until you get full blue on the map. Perhaps it's, perhaps it is blue. I just see green where, where, uh, where it doesn't exist. Um, but anyway, yeah, it indicate there is that visual indication of yes, you have completed this area effectively. And that is, I mean, it's incredibly gamey, it's incredibly arbitrary. There's no way the characters would have any knowledge of that, of course. But as the player, it then, for the completionist in me, it does make me then seek out, well, what is it that I'm missing in this area? Is it just a, a hidden item or, you know, is it something more? like a hidden health item or something or is it something more important and that it's that constant pausing and visualizing and even the way that that makes me move around the mansion and visit places i haven't been to for a while to refresh as to what is it that i need here or why haven't i been able to progress past this particular bit and the navigating the mansion itself becomes a type of puzzle for me because it's that thing of if you ever get stuck or if you ever it's like well i'm not sure what it is i need to do to actually progress the the story at this point you can just go around and explore that space in the way that you would like a physical jigsaw puzzle that you might be doing you would pick up pieces and try them in different places and and just you have all you have all of the information and all the pieces that you need and so it's a question of just trying that in different places and that it the game just lets you or it doesn't just let you it encourages you and kind of makes you do that it it says well we're not going to have these random you know we're not gonna have an npc come and say oh it's over here or oh you should use that yeah. item that you picked up half an well, hour ago it just it makes you explore until you find the answer yeah well i think the map the map going from red to blue green I, i've <laughs> looked it up color. and it is like blue, it's like turquoise okay. um <laughs> the um yeah, the map going from blue to green, like visually giving you that information, I suppose, does reveal the fact that the mansion itself is is the puzzle. I suppose, like, like it's very the very blueprint of it turns from red to blue when you've completed and seen all of its secrets. So, like, the only mm -hmm. indication that you get that you've like yes, you fully kind of understood and grasped the mansion is when all of its secrets are given to you. So that does highlight that it is primarily a source of puzzling or a source it's of, a thing to be completed right like yeah, it's a thing to more, be more yeah, than just like an aesthetic kind of thematic location although it is that also mm. um because mm. there are some people who uh who think that the mansion is uh for a horror game not not especially scary because of that puzzle aspect because of the fact that it is primarily a piece of puzzle architecture rather mm -hmm. than a, a real feeling like a real kind of space that you're in and you know these characters that you're controlling are um <clears throat> being threatened within this what could be a real space um mm. and mm. you know there is a school of thought that says that the mansion is therefore a failure as a game space because it feels too much like a game space and not enough like a real horror space it's all about pushing puzzles on you it's all about making you go these ridiculously convoluted routes to get places more than it is about making you feel like you're in a horror 
a horror house, a house of horrors sort of environment. Mm. Um, I, and I think I kind of, and I can understand why they said it because yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't reflect how horror would be done in movies, for example, like a sort of a mansion, unless it's like a saw movie, which is literally the kind of like puzzles that have to be solved as well. Like mansions and stuff wouldn't really be designed in this way because it wouldn't feel very realistic and it would take you out of the, empathy that you're supposed to feel with the lead character that they're going through this situation that could happen to you like in resident evil it doesn't feel like it could happen to you because the mansion Mm. doesn't feel like it could exist because the mansion feels like it's made to be a puzzle rather than a mansion um but i think i do i understand that but i also don't sort of care about any of that yeah (laughs) well i think you disagree with it well i think it's slightly different in a game because Oh, well, specifically this game, because the horror from Resident Evil, I don't think comes from the same place as a film. Like, it's not horror in the same way as a film in which you're supposed to feel like, like I said, like terror for these characters and what they're going through and put you, put them, put you in their shoes. Um, uh, like, you don't, uh, like, when I'm playing Resident Evil, like, I'm not like feeling like, oh, I am Jill or I am Chris. Like, what the, the things that bring the horror in Resident Evil, are the are the more mechanical aspects it's the it's the it's the ink ribbons in the save rooms it's the um it's the lack of ammo it's the the fact that the that the whole place you're in is like a maze those things are those things are the things that cause the stress and the horror and the tension it's not the fact that you're trying to put yourself in the shoes of these characters so that idea of the house being a puzzle uh, feeling like a puzzle and therefore feeling like a failure of horror doesn't really it's like it doesn't infringe on the parts of the game that are a horror game for me so it's so yeah. it doesn't matter no it, and it for yeah and absolutely and i agree i think i probably feel differently when i'm playing it to you based on conversations we've had about horror games that we've talked about on this very podcast and films and you know the stuff that i know that you watch and will and are willing or will, no, like will willfully seek out and enjoy things like hereditary i'm thinking of films like that that i'm like yeah i'm interested in hearing about them i'm not sure how much i really need to sit down and watch the whole thing but so my my fear maybe or but the fee, the feelings i have playing resident evil is this often and consistent level of discomfort and that comes from a couple of different places very different places to feeling empathy for the characters um the camera angles definitely there are particular camera angles where, yeah, for sure, like you, you can't see, you can hear, but not see the enemy. You know, your character can see a zombie shuffling around the corner and you just kind of back up perhaps into the most advantageous place for that specific yeah. camera angle well, that, that you that, have. Yeah. That's another thing is it? Cause that's wildly contrived. Just, yeah, just like, course, just yeah. like the design of the mansion is. So it's all done purposefully. Like it's, I mean, say, I feel like I say this every time we mention horror games, but it's contrived to the point of not the, those camera angles are not just designed to make it look cool and make it look scary for the character. Um, it's, it's just that thing about, you know, you're more scared of what you can't see than what you can mm. see. And even if your character can see it, you can't. So that's how it's. That's how it's yeah. contrived, like because again, yeah. and that's just more evidence that the game isn't trying to put you in the shoes of these characters. It's just trying to make you feel some vague sense of the horror that is just all-encompassing in this thing. And they so you know, and, and they do that by limiting what you can see, even if your character can see it. Yeah, and that's yeah, and that's why I feel like the horror is being at its most basic level. The horror is being done to me as the player rather than to my character. 
And so there is a bit where you walk through a door in the mansion and you're you're just face to face with your character. Like they're just stood right there, super close up. Um, and it's that feels really weird to me. Every time that happens, it feels off kilter. And there's a lot about Resident Evil that there's lots of things that just feel slightly uncomfortable. They just feel slightly off kilter. There's a, there's like discordant music. There's and I don't necessarily mean jump scares. They have that like, you know, there's a very very short and quick and complete ten- ten- tension and release cycle in a jump scare, which, you know, it has its moment. But in Resident Evil, it's far more, it's far more persistent for me. And I think an- another part of that is the doors, uh, what used to be, you know, back in the day was for loading purposes and needn't exist anymore. It needn't have existed, I think, even when the remake was made six years later. But there is something about the doors and it isn't, Initially, I thought it was like a delaying of information. It was a delaying of of gratification in a sense that you open the door and there's this there's this brief moment of tension where you don't know what's on the other side. But I think actually it's more for me, it's more of a binary thing. It's that there is no halfway. You can't just open the door and peek through it. You are either on one side of that door or you're on the other side. And that's it. You've committed to that. And so once you're through that door, you're then exposed to whatever else there might be. And you can't easily back through the door if, you you know, thanks to the controls, uh, if you use the tank controls in the original, you had to, but in the remake, you don't. But if you use the tank controls, you then have to do a, a, a 180 spin. You can't just like back through that door as you might in another game and then hold your gun out. You can't shoot whilst you're walking. You have to do that whilst you're standing still. And that again is like a it's a binary thing either you're running or you're shooting you don't get to to do both so that commitment to one or the other is another thing that adds to that tension for me and i think part of that is just because as you probably know by now uh i'm not awesome at running and gunning at things i'm not one that uh, i'm not kind of a reflex twitch player so not not good at using two analog sticks at the same time (laughs) my camera goes wild yeah that's that's nuts uh so i like to back up to a certain place plant my feet but then it's like oh now the camera angles change so there's a lot of stuff that just is constantly making me feel a little bit not uncomfortable but just not not comfortable just not like in control not empowered i suppose um and so yeah the the exploration of the mansion and the puzzle side of it i suppose is the time when i feel more empowered i'm kind of imposing myself on that more and thinking more about it and that might be from the safety of a safe room and how am i going to get to there and what do i need to do when i get there um yeah well well the game like on on the thinking side or on the forcing decision side like it has it forces you to think both fast and slow um which is you know like anyone familiar with like psychology and etc will be very familiar with the idea of thinking fast and slow like uh so it, it forces you to think slow in, in an overall sense of um <clears throat> you know what resources do you have what route do you take through the mansion how are you going to uh pick what items you take out of the chest and when do i decide mm. to save and whatever and it's all that wider risk um r- wider questions of risk and reward and wider questions of just how much danger are you prepared to uh, open yourself up to um, <clears throat> whether that's you know at the, the risk of death, the risk of losing health, or just simply because you want to save time or whatever. Like how much risk and uh, mm. reward are you prepared to 
are you prepared to place on how you decide to play but it's also got the fast it's got the immediate it's got the reactionary fight or flight sense of thinking as well um not quite on a subconscious level it's not it's not to that degree you still have a split second to think about what you're going to do um but you know do you when you go through a door and you can't see the enemy or even if you can see them do you what are you going to do are you just going to run back mm. uh turn around and leave um uh, you know flight away or are you going to stand there and fight um and try to use your at the ammo. same time trying to work out if there's other things that you can't see like that because that's another it's like yeah the decision making process is what is immediately in front of me but what also might be coming up behind me that i can't see because i can't yeah. change the camera um yeah well i think actually the sound design is pretty good at that it is yeah it's very good yeah but yeah. um yeah or are you going to fight and and um and attack these guys and you, you know you're not playing as master chief or marcus phoenix or even nathan drake or whatever like you, you all, all of those characters can take an absolute pummeling before they mm. even begin to show any signs of damage like here you're going to show damage and especially if you're playing yeah especially if you're playing as jill like you're going to show damage pretty much immediately upon that first upon that mm. first successful attack against you uh and it, it's also when you shoot as well it doesn't really give you a breather like every because you can only shoot while standing still and bullets just seem to go through a lot of zombies like you don't know exactly how many bullets it takes to kill each individual zombie i don't think they all take the same amount of damage i think this list randomized in some way um for each one um so you don't know what's going to happen to you if you stand there firing with every shot you take that zombie gets closer so it's not that shooting your gun actually mitigates the risk with every shot you take the, the risk increases upon that next shot whereas in a lot of games you know when you shoot so even a lot of horror games when you shoot someone the enemies will be like knocked they'll be like staggered for a second um and that gives you time to think about what to do or just to uh, reload or whatever um but in this you don't you don't get that so so it is really good at making those fast decisions like the core mechanics of the standing still the reloading the not knowing how many bullets it's going to take to kill a zombie that makes the fast thoughts really exciting and really tense and meaningful and memorable but then the slower thoughts as well of like how do you use your resources how do you work through the puzzles in what order in you know how do you explore the mansion and what order all of that stuff um that's really rewarding as well because again there's multiple mechanics that feed into both the fast and the slow thoughts so yeah both on an overall kind of planning level it feels rewarding but then on a moment-to-moment gameplay level it feels rewarding as well because you're layering up or the game is layering upon you all of these different things that impact your final decision making yeah yeah, and there is a multiple times. There's been like a point of no return for me where I start shooting, particularly with the handgun. That's the uh, that's the key. I think that's the key weapon in in feeding into that design because it's the least powerful apart from the knife. But it's also the one that yeah you get the least feedback. The shotgun delivers you know pretty hefty punch, and that will stagger them at least if not completely down them. But the the handgun, you keep firing and there is a moment in every standoff where you have to decide, am I going to keep shooting at this thing? Am I going to try and kill it? And how much closer can I let it get before surely, you know, the ne- this next shot has got to take it down, surely. And that that's a, so yeah, there's no like 
I guess there must be some pattern to it, but there's no like, oh, I know that if I just shoot this twice and then let it get a bit closer and shoot it one more time, it's going to go down. That doesn't, yeah, and it even, doesn't have that predictability. And even after you've taken it down, uh, even though, even once it goes to the floor, it's still not always 100% obvious that it's dead. And then you still need to burn it to make sure it doesn't come back later. Yeah. Uh, and like, do yeah, you have that, the fuel on you? Do you yeah. have the lighter on you? It becomes like, a strategic decision. Yeah. The, the, the burning, the remake stuff, uh, of the having to have kerosene and another thing that particularly for Chris with six slots in his inventory, that becomes a, again, another real decision to be made rather than just a bottomless. You, I mean, you have a bottomless inventory in the item boxes, of course. Uh, but yeah, what you can take with you, um, is very limited. And that and those item boxes are the thing for me. They are the thing that so often stop the crisscrossing of the mansion that we've talked about. They stop that crisscrossing devolving into backtracking. Because if you if you know that you've got an item box on one side of the mansion and on the other, then you know that you can go somewhere and assess at any given time, are you closer to item box B than you are to A, and you don't have to go all the way back to that one. And I think if you had to do that, if there was only one central item box, say, it was it would be much more backtracking because you would get to a point, realise you don't have what you need, and you would have to go back rather than being able to go forward onto the next one. And that can it can still happen in certain areas where you get to a point and you need the crank and you have to go back to a particular item box, uh, for example. But that's it's not a... It's generally you have the choice of whether to go back or forward um, because they're spread about and through the magic of games, you know, you can access your inventory through any one of those. And that's, again, that's a completely unrealistic but perfectly perfectly reasonable design decision in terms of your play experience that enhances the game rather than, like, detracts from it. Yeah, because I think, like I said before, like, the realism of the game isn't about making you feel like you're this person really in this place and everything in the world happening to them is as would be in real life. Like, that's just not not what the game is. The realism of the horror comes from, well, again, the gamey elements. And, and I think, like, yes, they could have made it so that the items are specific to each box and you know you have to carry items between boxes for example like when you go down to the lab it's like okay now i gotta go backwards and forwards on like haulage missions to like get all of my gear into the into the right storage box because i'm going to be here for a while they could have done that um but it that, that's but the it resident removes, evil death stranding crossover that uh, yeah. we're all crying out for but it removes the to do that would make it more realistic but again the game's not going for realism and that would just make the the return journeys that you already have to do that would that would genuinely put them into backtracking territory like literally just simply going here and going back here for the sake of it just to expands the time spent playing the game whereas actually does that element of uh realism add anything to the realism of horror that they're trying to deliver you through the mechanics like no it doesn't all it it does is just yeah just makes it boring like um like you're not doing anything that actually progresses the game at that point all you're doing is um stockpiling for what's to come yeah, and I think that's and I think that's the key point, and I think that's where the game is so iconic as a survival horror experience in that it it shows the right 
elements to make realistic and it chose the right ones to make unrealistic and the ones that it makes unrealistic do not undermine the sense of horror um delivered by the game mechanics you know so the inventory systems unrealistic the mansion layout is unrealistic like all these things but they're they're un, they're unrealistic in that they uh well in the stricter sense of the world in in the words in that they don't match reality but they do match the reality of the game. They do match the reality of what the game is trying to do. And for something to feel realistic overall, it doesn't need to be representative of our reality. It just needs to make sense within the world of yeah, the game. It has to be, yeah, internally consistent, right? Like it yeah. just needs to have that and verimilis... verimilis ver- that word I can't even say. Verimilisitude. Verimilis- yeah. So, well, it's kind of... Um, <laughs> so... Um, so yeah, I think I think that's the key thing because a lot of I think a lot of conversation around like any games really, but but horror certainly um, is about oh it's so realistic like therefore it's really scary like it's oh like yes I would definitely I'd definitely hide in the wardrobe from this I'd definitely hide under the bed there or like oh you just you have to make a difficult choice between your ammo and stuff and that's and that's right like it is um, people don't want that from Resident Evil though right like I, I think well, it's Resident not a true Evil in the same way game, is it? I no it isn't it's but not e- Silent even, Hill or PT yeah but even that they that can that consistency I kind of liken it to you know James Bond consistency like people want certain things from a franchise and they want it to go into certain directions and Resident Evil 7 I think did a good job in terms of going back and capturing certain elements that had been missing from the from its predecessors whilst also progressing the franchise as a whole but it still fit and some of that was buying into that idea of oh yes of course you need this particular gem or these fake eyeballs or whatever it might be to stick into the statue to open a door yeah or having a convoluted blue uh, layout for um the houses and stuff i think maybe that's actually one of the ways that you can see how powerful after 25 years like the legacy of the original resident evil uh was and still is in that for resident evil 7 and it seems like for 8 as well um a lot of the uh sort of quote-unquote modernizing of the game and bringing it back to horror that was the intention for resident evil 7 after 4 5 and 6 which had been more kind of action focused um a lot of the things that they did went back to what resident evil 1 did uh by having these by having these locations by having um you know that sense of puzzles and those sort of com- convoluted uh like you know locked doors you know like it's, it's in in the first in the first house in resident evil 7 like it's basically copied the resident evil 1 system of having keys uh you know you got a scorpion key and a snake key and all that stuff in resident evil 7 that's just torn torn exactly from resident evil 1 so yeah, and what do you know? After twenty five years, it still works, and it works well, yeah. and it gets it works to the point of it being part of why it's lauded. You know, particularly after the action orientated uh, direction of five and six, in particular. Yeah, well, I think it's yeah, and it's interesting that well, well it's not well, it's interesting, but it, but it highlights just how how much people are still calling out for that form of that form of gameplay, which I think is no uh which i think is a real accomplishment when uh you know you're 25 years old and then in in order to feel modern people are going back to your design and saying let's have some 
let's have some more of that it does yeah it highlights the strength of that in particularly again around the time that it came out where other things like tomb raider the first tomb raider were also coming out around that time and tomb raider has not aged as well not just in terms of that specific game but in terms of the design of that game there have been other games that have done that type of design better and tomb raider's design is not iconic and in the same way that a 25 year old resident evil game is and and elements can be borrowed by other games and that that is referenced when that happens you know games will talk about it being a resident evil style you know inventory tetris or whatever it might be like there's stuff in there that is recognizable as having been popularized if not uh, invented by that first game um so i mean i yeah i mean i don't want to get onto tomb raider but i I would say the tomb raider design is iconic it's just been bettered by other games and tomb raider has since copied from those games that's that it's done better but i would still say the original tomb raider is iconic um i don't know if it's as iconic as resident evil though i think you can point to more specific elements in resident evil that have been continued and iterated upon and uh like both both within its own franchise and in other franchises, like very specific elements that have been copied, much more specific detailed elements, um, rather than trying to copy the overall kind of blueprint form. Yeah. 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 Um Have you have you so you've been playing through all of the Resident Evil games recently? Yeah, so uh, I'm replaying four now. All of them. Okay. So have you been back and played seven? Or yeah. are you doing them literally? <clears throat> so I, played, is there yeah, one, three, seven, and three, four now? Right. So is there points because I I don't remember seven. I've played I think once and a bit in VR. But are there points in that that use the same tools and tricks in the first Resident Evil game? Where because the first Resident Evil game feels very much like you're you're allowed to explore. You're again you're not just allowed, but you're that's that's promoted. It's mandatory for you to find your way around you might find a map that will help but you need to go and explore those individual doors um and that feels like you can do that in your own time and in some cases the puzzles will crop up and you can tackle them in different orders and for the side ones you don't have to tackle them at all if you don't want to but then there's this slightly odd thing sitting side by side with that that certain elements of it there there are time sensitive events that happen that to me at least on playing it through then it's not obvious that they're time sensitive so one of those for example is going to get serum for richard who gets bitten by a snake spoiler uh and it's not obvious to, it was not obvious to me anyway that that is time sensitive now in logically it is he's been poisoned you need to go and get this serum but in the way that resident evil presents itself and even particularly in that instance where you he you know theoretically in a schrodinger style uh scenario both is and isn't poisoned before you meet him so until you find him and him and rebecca he's as chris you're not poisoned he's not poisoned and so he doesn't need the serum you can't get the serum before you know he's poisoned um but once you discover that you have to get there and back pretty sharpish because if you don't he dies and it does that as well i think later on with barry and the rope uh he loads you down into a pit as jill the rope falls down because Barry and you can, you can stand. And I don't think I even knew this until very recently. You can stand there at the bottom of that pit until Barry comes back with a rope and pulls you up. Or as I think most people, certainly I did just carry on the game. You just think, Oh, that's just what happened. The rope has fallen down, not because of any sort of narrative event, but because 
that saying, I can't get back up. Yeah, well, I need to push up. Yeah. yeah. But actually, if you stand there for long enough, he will get a rope and he'll pull you back up. And that's, and so there's these two things that sit side by side. It's almost, it feels almost like they are emergent elements and they're not, of course, they're very heavily scripted, but it feels emergent because the rest of the game is so, um, static is the wrong word, but is so, is paced in a way that you progress the pacing. You, yeah, yeah, your exactly. actions progress Ev- that. Yeah, everything else in the game is waiting for you to act upon it so that yeah. you can move forward, which again and, makes it feel like very much like a game rather yeah, for than sure. a movie. If I just stand here and do nothing, the world doesn't, yeah, the world doesn't progress. Um, but are there, to your memory, are there other, particularly seven, but even other, any of the others that do the same thing? Because I don't. Not really don't in seven, remember. although you put me on the spot and I might have forgotten yeah. one. Or, or it might have just happened and I didn't even... Well, yeah, even like aware the rope thing. It's like, oh, maybe, but... Um, yeah. yeah, I don't think Because that feels so. iconic. Looking back at, it, back at it, it feels iconic. Whereas at the time, it didn't necessarily... I don't, I'm not even sure I was aware of it at the time. Yeah, like for a 25-year-old game, PS1 game, to be doing that, to be thinking of that is... Um, and not is interesting. It, I think is is interesting. Like it's, you know, that's almost a Demon Souls level of design where it's like there's this stuff that exists in the world that will change based on your actions, but we're not going to tell you what it is. It's for for you to explore and you can find different things out and find different endings, but that's that's on you. That's part of the uh part of the play experience is on you to to do that. Or to have these kinds of conversations where you you just like you got to speak to somebody else about it. Well exactly, yeah, that's what that's what I was gonna say. Like a, a lot of a lot of the elements in Resident Evil do the original Resident Evil do uh, I think are only really, let's be honest, like are only really discoverable realistically by talking to other people. Like the amount of time you'd have to spend in the game to to gather and understand and see all of its secrets would be crazy. Because um, I can't remember like what secrets or whatever I or what puzzle solutions I had to rely on talking to friends about in order to solve. But I'm pretty mm. sure I can, I can't remember exactly, but I can be pretty sure that I didn't go through that entire game first time through and solve everything purely yeah. by myself. Like it I must have been through conversation and like aha moments um yeah. determine by... oh, if you just rotate that item and look on the other side of it actually there's like you know you examine it there's something stuck on it so like, yeah. oh really yeah. i didn't know that so they there must have been a load of times where um <clears throat> yeah you you get the answer by sharing by talking about the mm. game with other mm. people um uh, which is because let's be honest some of the puzzle design is a bit like like the dog collar thing is like a bit like what like how are you supposed to even like that's just trial and error um you are well so, i don't know you are given them when you get that that whistle you get a memo with it and the memo shows a stained glass window that it's not super obvious it's not like oh i can directly relate that to a place i've been but it is there like there yeah is yeah a but i'm thinking about i was like 12 years old when i played this game so i'm not going <laughs> through all of it i'm just like getting that and being like yeah okay and like yeah okay it might be in there but i'm just trying to think of like when this game came out for me and like even though i wasn't picking up on all of those clues like the game doesn't become any less rewarding in a way so maybe it became more rewarding because i was talking and finding clues through mm. other people's experiences as well so it has this sort of life that's greater than just you sitting there by yourself as a single player experience and like kind of um either 
skillfully or fumbly making your way through it you're it's like a it's almost like a collective effort to understand mm-hmm. this and to that's, understand think, this that's thing. the demon souls thing i think that's 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 that like that feeds definitely into that stuff that you just couldn't it's so obscure that you probably couldn't work it out without speaking to other people and it becomes a bigger thing because you do like that sense of community around resident evil is is real <laughs> even yeah. though it's a single player game yeah, well, um, yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to think of like a, a final thought, but I wonder if the final thought is is that what we were saying about Resident Evil 7, probably, possibly Resident Evil 8 is, you know, what sort of greater uh, compliment can you pay the original game than 25 years later, uh, the series is going back to trying to be more like that game in order to be more relevant again? Yeah. But along those same lines, I think a thing as a as a thought for what I would like eight, the upcoming eight to take from the original game and the very early games is that notion of allowing the fact that it's a game to be incorporated into the design and not just and not being restrained by that, not not it not being this thing of, oh, well, it can't be scary because it's so gamey because it then uses those elements of it being a game to surprise you and it's it's kind of gaming you at the same time it's saying yes for example yes you can examine these items so that becomes that's not just a a vanity thing it's not just oh isn't this cute that you can turn this thing around and spin it and turn it on it on its axis it's like that gets fed into the idea that there's a puzzle here and there's something to be solved so yeah it uses its it uses the fact that it's a game not just to enhance the narrative and the structure but also to enhance the actual gameplay experience and that's well, what i'd yeah. like to see from eight much well, more of that than running around shooting stuff yeah well because that makes it a horror game rather than a horror film presenting itself as a game which is what <laughs> a lot of horror mm-hmm. games do really um yeah absolutely yeah um if, if resident evil 8 can use its mechanics in, or, in order to uh, deliver horror in anywhere close to the same way, then that'll be an achievement for sure. Resident Evil. It might be 25 years old, but it's still got life in it yet. Come and tell us what you think of the game and how it has impacted your own history in video games. We are at Indie by Design on Twitter, and while you're there, you'll also find a link to our Discord server that we recently set up, so do check that out as well. You can also check out the glorious video game coffee table books that we create, which focus on the art, culture, and history of the medium. And you can check those out by visiting our website, indiebydesign.net. Right now, pre-order bonuses for our next book, 20 Double Fine Years, are still open, so have a look at that if you've got any interest in Tim Schafer in Psychonauts 1 and 2, Grim Fandango, Broken Age, Brutal Legends, They Are the Tentacle, and quite literally every other game that Double Fine has been involved in. Again, our website, indiebydesign.net. That's a wrap for this week then, and we'll see you again next time. Bye.